place of rest, freedom from sin and the sin nature, from all the works of the flesh that are so evident here on earth and even in our own lives. Take your Bibles for our evening, our time in the Word this evening, Galatians chapter chapter 6. Just a few thoughts. This morning we saw that there was a warning. A warning for the believer. The, the, warning, the warning was found in verse 26 of chapter 5. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. It is possible, when you look at the works of the flesh, being adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness, all sexual immorality, and idolatry and sorcery, and then all the relational sins, expressions of hatred, contentions, divisions, envies, jealousies, murders, outbursts of wrath, and then all of the drunkenness and revelries that the world and the flesh um, desire. All of those works of the flesh, it is possible, even though knowing that everybody has that flesh in them, and we are all prone to sin, we are all prone to fall into any one of those areas at any moment, we are to be keeping in step with the Spirit, but we take a step off, and the next thing you know, the works of the flesh have become evident in our life. It is, it is possible for us to look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, patience, self-control, and we begin to think, wow, I'm not such a bad person. I'm not like the other sinners around here that have those works of the flesh. And we can become conceited. So the warning is, do not become conceited. And if you do become conceited, you're going to provoke one another, and you're going to cause envying, and there'll be division and strife in the church family. You want to know what a Spirit-filled church looks like? It's not one where there's great ecstatic utterances. It's not one where there's signs and healings and people are falling on the floor and praising the Lord because they've been healed. That's not the sign of a spirit-filled church. A sign of a spirit-filled church is that we love one another and we bear one another's burdens. If we can do that, if we can love one another and care for one another by carrying one another's burdens, that is spirit-filled. That is the life of Christ we have called to. Which means... The truest expression of your Christianity is found in a church family, like this. Why people don't want to be involved in a local church like this is beyond me, because that's what we're called to. How can you bear one another's burdens if we're not together? And so we need to be building relationships and depending upon one another, and even outside of our public worship services, be getting together for prayer and for counseling, and and I don't mean counseling in a formal sense, but just accountability. Spending time with one another. So we saw this morning, chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man is overtaken, they're surprised by a sin that comes into their life. It's not that they set out to do it, but because of negligence and a loss of focus, they are now off of the the path of the Spirit and they're into the works of the flesh. What do we do? Do we kick them down? Do we beat them up and condemn them and judge them and say, you filthy sinner, what are you doing around here? We don't like this kind of people. We like clean-cut people. We don't like people that, um, that do this and this and this. But... The Bible doesn't say we're supposed to do that. Some people might think, well, let's just ignore it and just let it go. And let's not say anything because we don't like to have waves in the church or anything. Let's keep it, let's keep it free from messy things. But the Bible says, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual 
those who are being led and stepping in the walk of the Spirit, or stepping in the steps of the Spirit, we are to restore such a one, bring them back to full usefulness, which requires going to them, maybe bandaging, bandaging, maybe confronting, rebuking, coming alongside, teaching, admonishing, nurturing. We, re- we show them sinful beha- behaviors, and we show them how it's contrary to God's word, and we pray for a repentant heart. We restore such person in a spirit of gentleness. And we have to be careful, because the temptation is, we could become spiritually proud and say, I thank the Lord that I'm not like the other people in this church. They are wicked sinners, but thank you that I'm not such like that. That's the spirit of pride that will cause anybody to fall. So it requires great humility. Humility before the Lord, humility before others with gentleness. Now tonight, let's get to the point where, hey, we're preventing those things from happening. We don't want anybody to wander. We don't want anybody to go astray. So verse 2 says, bear one another's burdens. Whose responsibility is that? All of us. All of us are to bear one another's burdens. And I think in the context, the burden is not necessarily a financial bill that they need to get paid, although it's good to help that burden as well. But I think the burden is spiritual in context. We all struggle with sin. We all have areas in our life that are weak, and we need people to come alongside, and when we're burdened and struggling with various sins or tendencies or whatever, that we have somebody that can come alongside and just help us. We cannot just go it alone. You can't. There's no such thing as the Lone Ranger Christian. God never intended that. We live in a community. We live in a house of believers. We live in a flock of sheep, of which we are all. We live in a living temple where we're all living stones. So we need each other. Listen, I cannot successfully walk my Christian life on earth without you. I need you. I need you to come into my life and to say, hey, pastor, I think maybe there's some blind spots. We need to look at this. I mean, but... And hopefully and prayerfully, I'm, I'm correctable and teachable. But we need to, first of all, bear one another's burdens. And in doing so, we fulfill the law of Christ. See, we're not under the law, but, the, the, but we have a responsibility to do that which is right, and it's the law of Christ. The law of Christ is also called the royal law, and it is this. Your law, the law of Christ, the royal law, is to love. If you love God fully and you love one another as Christ has loved you, you're going to fulfill everything that Christ expects of you. You don't need a list of 15 things to be spiritual. Love God with your whole heart, soul, and strength, and then love others as Jesus Christ has loved you. But now, how, how are you going to show your love for God since he's invisible? You show your love for God, First John chapter 4 says, verse 20, by loving other believers. So you want to tell me that you love God? Show me that you love other believers. And how do you show love for other believers? Bear one another's burdens. Take your Bibles. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The Corinthian church was full of factions and divisions, envies, arguing. Oh, it was quite the church. Yelling and screaming at one another. Probably swinging of fists. Who knows all that was going on? 2 Corinthians says that they were swinging fists. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, look down with me at verse 25. God has designed the church as a body. And of course, my human body has many parts. Two hands, two feet, eyes, nose, mouth, has a skeleton, has skin uh, of whatever condition, and it has um, 
all of that. It has muscles, it has internal organs, and all of those things, right? So that's how God composed the body. So God designed Faith Baptist Church as a local church, as a local body, with many, many members, and we all have different functions. We're all part of the same body, but we all have a different function in the body. Some of us are ears, and so we're the hearers. Some of us are the mouth, so we're the speakers. And some of us are the eyes, and we're the vision setters. And some of us are the hands, and we, the, we, we do the work. And, but all of us have a, have a gift, and all of us are part of the one body of Christ. Well, as he goes on and he talks about the, how some members were argumentative towards the others, we have verse 25. God composed the body, verse 24, that there should be no schism in the body, no divisions, no fights, no strife, no wars, no battles, but that the members should have the same care for one another. We're looking about and we're caring for one another, all of us. We're not just caring for the people that I like. We're caring for everybody. Because you know what? In the body, maybe there are people that aren't as easy to like and easy to love. And maybe there are some people that actually struggle with addictions and sin that besets them. And you don't struggle with the same sin. I mean, there are some sins I don't have a problem with. It doesn't... I'm not tempted. I don't have any... But any type of pronation toward that at all. It's just, put it in front of me a hundred times a day, never, never once would I bite at it. But there's other things in my, that other sins in my life that, man, they're placed before me. I could go down quick. So we need to have the same care one for another. No divisions, no, no schism in the body. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. We're all interconnected. We're all feeling the the same thing. We're grieving and we're feeling the pain and sorrow of everybody. And then it says, or if one member, listen, only one, is honored, all the members rejoice with it. There is no private suffering. We all suffer together. Now, definitely people suffer to greater degrees. But we should all feel it. We should all bear that burden with the other person. You all agree? And one person doesn't rejoice by themselves, but we all rejoice together. Let's go back to Galatians chapter 6. So we are called to bear one another's burdens, which means we need to know what they are. We need to know each other well enough to know what they are. As a pastor, shepherding this church, you know, I don't want to know, I don't want to pry or get into everybody's private lives. But I really want to have a pulse as to who's hurting, who's hurting physically, who's hurting spiritually, who's hurting financially, who's hurting socially. And, but I don't want to be the only one knowing that and doing that. I mean, there are some things that we just don't share with anybody because they are that private. But for the most part, we need to really be caring one for another. You, get, you, you understand now? So it's not just me. That's not what you hired me for. The church pays me to preach the word, and to have the ministry of prayer, Acts 6.4. Of course, I have a visitation and a care ministry and a hospital ministry and other ministries, but the primacy of my role is to feed you with the word of God and to lead you in prayer, a ministry of prayer, and also have a prayer life myself. So if the church can be fed well and be healthy, then you will all be doing these things. We'll all be bearing one another's burdens, and we will fulfill the law of Christ. Look at verse 3. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We're back to the same thing. Third time in the text. If you think you are spiritually superior to everybody else, 
you are not going to bear anybody's burdens. You agree? Huge error. If you think you're so great that you don't have a problem with sin and you're not like the other people in this church, you will never humble yourself to bear one another's burdens. Common error, isn't it? Look at the beginning of verse 4. But let each one examine his own work. So it appears maybe some of the Galatians were examining other people's works. There's two things that you're going to do in your life if you, if you don't bear one another's burdens. It's probably because either you think of yourself greater than others, you're conceited, like verse 3 says, or you compare yourself against other people. And if I compare myself against other people, I'm always going to try to find people that I think are below me so that I could always make myself look better. And then there's no reason to bear anybody's burdens, right? So we we don't have that. We're not examining each other. I'm not looking at your life and weighing out your spiritual fruit and seeing, hmm, you, you have this spiritual fruit, I have this, I have more spiritual fruit than you, you don't have as much spiritual fruit as me. Oh, you don't have as, you have way more works of the flesh than I, no, we're not comparing one another with, with each other, because that's a false standard. But it says here, verse 4, let each one examine his own work, what you are doing for the sake of Christ, or for the body of Christ. So, we are, you are called, listen, right now, tonight, you are called for a self-examination. You need to look, how are you loving one another? How are you involved in other people's lives in this church where you are coming alongside and bearing their burden? You are helping them. You are warning the unruly. You are comforting the faint-hearted. You are upholding the weak. You are patient with all. I mean, how are you doing in that? Examine, because you are going to be graded on not how great you are compared to others. You will be examined based on your own work before the Lord what you do, what your heart is, what your attitude is in the church family. And so each one of us, rather than thinking of yourself great when you're really nothing, rather than comparing yourself with others and not being involved to bear one another's uh, burdens, you have to examine your own work. And then let's continue going, the end of verse 4. And then, after you examine your own work, then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Okay, I, th- I think now what we're moving is from the earthly scene to the heavenly scene. So here's where we're going to close tonight on verses 4 and 5. You are to examine your own work on this earth. I mean, go ahead and evaluate me, and you can look at me, and you can find lots of flaws, and compare yourself and find lots of areas where you're far better than me, which is fine. You compare whatever. God says don't do it. Paul says don't do it. Examine your own life your own love, your own fulfillment of the law of Christ. How are you bearing one another's burdens? How are you going to restore others? That type of thing. And then it says, in doing so, you will have rejoicing in your work alone and not in somebody else's work. Here's why. The day that I get to heaven and I see Jesus as my Savior, well, I should say the day of the rapture, the glorification of the New Testament, we are going to be brought before the Bema seat of Christ. And there is going to be rejoicing only for your own work. You're not going to get up to heaven and stand before the righteous judge, Jesus, and you're not going to get credit for anything anybody else does. He's going to look at you alone. And if, here in 2016, you take some time for self-examination and you fulfill the law of Christ by being involved in a local church, bearing one another's burdens, maintaining unity and peace and caring and loving for others, 
Just like Jesus, as he came to earth, he bore our sin in his own body, our sicknesses and griefs. As we're doing that, there's going to be a time of rejoicing up in heaven because we're going to have our work examined and we'll be rewarded for that. So that's why verse 5 says, for each one shall bear his own load. See, we started tonight saying you have to bear one another's loads, and you do. And you do it humbly, not thinking you're better than others, and you do it not comparing yourself with others, but you step in and you bear one another's burdens. We, we suffer and, and come along and help one another. But then don't forget, when you get to heaven, you stand on your own. Everybody gets an, a personal appearance before God, and you cannot, it's not a group activity. It is you alone. So you have to bear your own load. You know what load this is in verse 5? It is the ministry that God has called you to. If God has called you to Faith Baptist Church, then your ministry is here. Your ministry is to care for people right here. To restore those who have wandered, to bear the ones who have burdens that are too heavy for them to bear alone, which all of us have some of those. But we are all called to do this in the church. And that is what you are required to answer for. God's going to hold you to account. How did you handle the ministry I gave you while you were at Faith Baptist Church? So let's go to one last passage about that. 1 Corinthians 3. A great warning here. 1 Corinthians 3. Sometimes this text is taken out of, out of context. So I want to make sure that we get the context of it. We're going to begin in verse 9. It will only take a few minutes. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, and then we'll have our time of breaking the bread and drinking the cup together. 1 Corinthians 3, 9. For we, Paul says, Paul and Apollos, for we are God's fellow workers. You, that's the Corinthian church. How many in the church? Many people. So it's collective. It's many people. You, many people, Corinthians, are God's field. You, Corinthians, are God's building. So who's God's building, everybody? The Corinthian church. Who's the field? The entire church. It's not one person. It's everybody. Here, it's 80 people right now, whatever, that are part of God's field or take our whole church family, even those who are not here. We're God's field and we're God's building. So now Paul's going to talk about the building that God is doing. All right? And who's the building? The entire body of believers. So verse 10, according to the grace of God, which was given to me, Paul says, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation to the building. What was the, what's the foundation? Jesus Christ, the gospel. So our church is built on a foundation. It's called the gospel. Jesus died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. So Paul built the found, laid the foundation. Listen to this. And another builds on it. You guys, when Paul went to Corinth, he preached the gospel and he laid the foundation for the church. But then he left the city. He went on in his journeys. Who stayed back? Apollos did. So Apollos is building on the foundation. So Mike and Beulah Myers, back in 1970, 1971, they started this church on the gospel. Its foundation is on the gospel. Then, then Pastor Arrowwood came and he began to build on it with that church that was there at the time. Then Pastor Richards came and he took over and he kept building the church with the people that, that were members of the church at the time. Then Pastor Lapine came, then Pastor Basinger, and now Pastor Wida. And so now I'm building on the foundation of previous ministries and you are also building the church. You agree? 
We're all building the church. Okay, so another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Take heed how you're building up this church, how you're bearing one another's burdens, how you're restoring one another, how we're living together as a corporate body. Take heed how, what you do to this church, how you build it up. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid. You can't relay the foundation. It's Jesus Christ. Verse 12. Now, if anyone, who's the anyone? Not just the pastor, but it's anybody in the church. Anybody at Faith Baptist Church, if you're going to build on this foundation of the gospel with gold, silver, precious stones, those will last. Wood, hay, and straw will not last. Each one's work, every individual's work, verse 13, will become clear. So right now, we really, really don't know how everybody's building. We really, you don't even know, except what we can see visually, what, what kind of things are we building with things that will last? What's our motive? Is my motive to glorify myself, uh, to make a bunch of money? Or what's, what's my motive? Is my motive to get involved and to bear one another's burdens? Is it to say, I'm way better than you guys. Let's, you know, why don't you guys shape up? You know what I'm saying? So what, however you build in this church, it's going to be revealed someday. It's going to be made clear. For the day will declare it. What day? The day that we stand before Jesus up in heaven called the Bema seat, the reward seat. It's not a judgment seat because our sin's already been paid. It's a reward seat for the Olympic contest. Some people get first place, some get second, some get third. And Jesus is the one who gives the rewards. So some of you are running the race right now. Well, actually, we all are. If you're a believer in Jesus, you're running the race. And the day of the end of your race is when you die, when you go to heaven, and the rewards will be handed out when we're glorified at the rapture. And it says, the day will declare how our works were, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. The very glory of God will pass through our life. And when I, as I was ministering at Faith Baptist Church, all of the things that were good and eternal in their motives will last. Everything else will be burned up. And I'll be rewarded for that which lasts. And you as well for your own ministry. You're not going to be rewarded for my ministry, and I won't be rewarded for how you bore one another's burdens. I'm telling you now, you need to do it, so now you're accountable to it. But it says this, if anyone's work, verse 14, which he has built on it, endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved as through fire. So you'll still be in heaven, but your rewards will have been burned up and taken away. Do you think this is a little serious in nature? Absolutely it is. It is the most critical day of your future, the day when you stand before Jesus for the rewards. At that point, you can't go back. There might be regret, but you can't go back. He says this, Do you not know that you, the Corinthian church, the whole body, are the temple of God? Not just one person. I am the temple of God, 1 Corinthians 6. But in this chapter, the whole church is the temple of God. And that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Those are plural words. You plurally. The Spirit of God dwells in this church. If anyone defiles the temple of God, listen, if you do anything to destroy this church, by your attitude, by your words, by your, by your not bearing one another's burdens, by your not restoring a sinner who has strayed, whatever it is, whatever, if we defile the temple of God, which we have seen in the, early, in the context is the local church, 
if you defile the, the local church, the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. God takes the local church so seriously. And if there's strife, if there's fighting, if there's division, if there's envy, like there was in the Corinthian church, no wonder why when this was read, I bet everybody in the Corinthian church was saying, wow, if I cause any more trouble in this body, God's going to be furious. He cares about the local church, and if I do anything to damage it, I see right now I'm in trouble. So that's why Paul says, very quickly, he says, bear one another's burdens. In doing so, you fulfill the royal law, the law of Christ, which is the law of love. So we come alongside and we care for everybody, and we want to prevent them from wandering. You get involved, so if they begin to wander, you're already there. You're already saying, hey, wait a minute, let's do this. This isn't right, let's do this. Don't wait until they go off the deep end and then say, oh, now we've got to do a rescue mission. Let's bear one another's burdens now before we, so we never have to run into, where's, that, where's so-and-so? How come they haven't been around for two months? Where, where have they been the last six months? Well, by that time, if they've been out of the assembly for six months, guaranteed nothing good is happening. They're certainly not using their, their, their spiritual gifts and they're not growing in grace and knowledge. So we need to, we need to be on guard. Watch, we're watching for the whole church. You don't want to just let sheep be gone and then you wonder, well, well how did that happen? So we are to bear one another's burdens, fulfill the But we, in doing it, don't think of yourself greater than you are because you're really nothing. So we don't have any attitudes of spiritual superiority and we don't compare each other we're not comparing one another, but we're examining our own work. How are we doing fulfilling the law of Christ? And in so doing, you're going to have rejoicing in that future day. Because every one of us must bear our own burden alone. All right, so I am accountable to God alone for my ministry. I mean, I'm, well, I'm accountable to you as the church, of course. There's accountability. But when it comes to examination, I stand before him and he's going to give me the final verdict. Regardless of what you think, regardless of what you say, he gets, he's going to have the final say. I'm living for that time, and I'm living for that master. All right? Do the same. Got it? So what are we thinking today? Lots today with this text. Anybody wanders? Restore them. Rescue them. Seek them. Pursue them. Preventative? We bear one another's burdens. Nobody, we don't want anybody to suffer alone. We don't, want anybody, we don't want anybody to be walking alone. We don't want anybody to feel like they don't have a friend in the world and nobody can help them through this difficult time, whether it is a time of, of um, relational things, maybe it's a time of struggling with sin. Whatever, whatever the struggle is somebody's going through, we, we need people. We need to be with people. All right? You're going to fulfill God's law. You're going to rejoice before the Lord because you're not thinking of yourself great and you're not comparing yourself with others. Rather, you're just examining what are you doing for the glory of God. And someday, we'll hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I hope. So, what a challenge for the church. We're going to look in the same theme next Sunday morning. We're going to continue on in chapter 6 and we're going to look at sowing seeds because there's a law of a harvest. You sow to the flesh, you get a certain reward. You sow to the Spirit, you get a certain thing too. And so we'll look at all of that, and then we'll be able to wrap up, I think, chapter 6 by the beginning of April. Uh, We'll see. But um, let's pray. Father, thank you for this text. There's so much about the life of the believer in the church, how you have called us to be a a family of believers, brothers and sisters. We are to uh, 
um, be restoring one another. We're to be um, carrying one another's burdens so we don't drift and wander in the first place. So I pray that you would put it in our heart to love, to be able to forgive and to look at one another with great, great compassion. Much like the Good, the good Samaritan with the person beaten by robbers. And much like Jesus in Isaiah 53, who bore our griefs and sicknesses in his perfect body. Help us to be like Christ this week. Help us to have a heart of love that this whole church would be strengthened and our testimony would ring throughout this country and people would know that we love Jesus. Thank you for this time of remembrance that we're about to have. May Jesus Christ be praised. Amen.